James chapter number one. We're going to begin our reading at verse number one. In, your, in, your, in, your, in our lesson text, we're going to have a key thought here. We, James uh, kind of gives us some insight into what we've been dis- discussing and dealing with in our emotionally healthy spirituality course. And we're going to talk about the wall and the stages of faith here today. Uh, but I want, to, I want to unpack some of the principal key applications that are given to us in the book of James. And our key thought for, for this session will be true faith manifests itself in all areas of life, including the fair treatment of others, how one speaks to others, one's attitude toward money, patience in the midst of suffering, and much, much more. True faith manifests itself. Now, that word manifest, which is what we call our radio broadcast, that word manifest means to make known. Everybody say make known. And see, true love will be made known. It will be manifested. John 3.16 said what? For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. True love manifests itself. Everybody say manifest. And so, so true faith, true faith manifests itself in all areas of our life. It ought to be evident uh, in our life. So we look at the book of James here and we're going to begin our reading at verse number one. And I'll read a few verses there following and then we'll jump on into our lesson text today. Uh, Hallelujah. James chapter one, verse one says, this letter is from James, a slave of God and uh, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. Verse two says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Listen to that again. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. Listen to what James says. When troubles of any kind, yeah, that one you're thinking about right now, when that trouble came your way, James says, consider it. An opportunity for what? For great joy. Verse number three, can we read together? It says what? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse number four, let's read. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Hallelujah. Talking about the wall, stages of faith. Stages of faith. Glory be to God. Now listen, guys, our text today is taken from the book of James, which is written by Jesus' oldest, oldest half-brother, whose name was James. And James, if you study uh, 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 your, your, your biblical history and theology, you'll know that James uh, uh, ultimately became the leader of the church at Jerusalem. And actually, James ended up being martyred or stoned to death because of his stand and his faith in Christ Jesus. And he was writing this letter to Jewish Christians, to the 12 tribes, he says in verse number one. He was writing this letter uh, to Jewish Christians who were in danger of only giving lip service to Jesus Christ. How many of y'all go to church with people who only give lip service to their faith walk? How many of you know some people, how many more were you at some, one point in time were talking about Jesus, but were not actually living him out in your everyday life? I like, if, if you guys can find this, I want you to uh, turn with me to uh, Matthew, the 15th chapter. 
because giving lip service is, is dangerous. And, and he was writing this to these believers because he didn't want them just to be talking about Jesus, but he wanted them to be living it out. Matthew, the 15th chapter. And I, 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 I'll start at verse uh, number, start at verse number one, verse number one of Matthew, the 15th chapter. And let's walk through this together because I want y'all to see this uh, and hear it. Okay, listen very carefully because we talk, we're going to talk about the wall and the stages of faith. And James does a, a yeoman's job of unpacking what it means to really live by faith, what, what it really means to walk by faith. The Bible says the just shall do what? Live by faith. The justified, those who've been justified by Christ Jesus must have and should have a faith walk that becomes evident to those who are in close connection to them, those who are in community with them. They should see, people should be able to see your faith in action. The text says there's some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, watch this, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? If you're going to go at Jesus and come at him hard like that, you better be prepared. Because Jesus slaps him right back. He says, why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? Watch what he says here, verse 4. For instance, God says, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Man, that'll stop a whole lot of this stuff that's going on nowadays, wouldn't it? But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. This is called a Corbain vow that they would make. They were saying that they were doing that, okay? Now, uh, watch what the text says, next verse. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. He says, you, you cancel the word of God. You've made the word of God of non-effect because of your tradition. They were trying to come here because his disciples were not participating in the ceremonial hand washing before the eating of food. It was not, it had nothing to do with, 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 with personal hygiene. It had everything to do with ceremony. It was traditional or something that they did culturally as a way of, 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 of doing their religion. Okay. Look at the next verse. Says, Watch this. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for here's what he wrote. Verse eight, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. In other words, they're talking about me. They're saying hallelujah. They're saying bless the Lord. They're saying I'm saved and thank God he's a good God. All the time God is good and all the time he's good and good time, whatever, whatever we say. All right. We come up with all these, what, what I call it Christianese. The stuff that we say on a regular basis, but we, we, we're giving him lip service, but our hearts are far from him. He's talking about these religious leaders who were coming in to try to trap him, try to try to bring him down and try to 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 disrupt his ministry flow while he was walking here on earth. Look at the next verse. It says what? Their worship is a farce for they teach man-made ideas as commands of God. See, in all likelihood, this scenario uh, that we're looking at here in, in the book of James. And Jesus talks about, again, that the, the, these Jewish Christians here were giving lip service to their walk with the Lord, but they were not showing any tangible results or outer working of inward faith. 
Did y'all hear me? In other words, they, they, they were talking about Jesus like a lot of people are doing today, but that we're not seeing any of, uh, of, of, of the word of God being lived out in their everyday lives. So, 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 so James is, is writing to address that issue. This scenario probably came about as a result of severe persecution uh, that was being brought on Christians by King Herod Agrippa I. Okay, you, you, you see that over in Acts, the 12th chapter. And some of these Jewish Christians had become a little gun shy uh, about openly declaring Christ in front of everybody because of the persecution that was coming their way. So James, James intent in writing this letter was to distinguish uh, between true faith and false faith. His, his goal in writing this letter was to, to distinguish true faith from false faith. True versus false. How many of y'all's faith is really real? How many of your faith is really true? And that's what James is trying to get down to right here so that, so that they, can, they can understand that, hey, here's how you recognize true faith versus false faith. Amen. He shows that true faith results in outward actions, outward works, uh, which become visible evidence of faith's invisible presence on the inside of us. Because nobody really knows that you really got faith until you have to use it. I can tell you all day long that, 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 I, that I'm standing in faith for this, but until I have to, until I have no other options but God, I don't really know if I believe God. Nobody really knows that you love them until you show that you love. You can say I love you all day long, but love, as I commonly say to you all the time, love is an action word. And love will be exhibited by the actions and the things that we do in these human bodies. So a person can tell you all day long, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But if their actions are not lining up with that, then, then you, 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 got, you got to wonder about that. I mean, you know, it's, love is an action word. Faith, amen, is an action word too because faith will result in some corresponding action. If there is no corresponding action that goes along with what we say we believe, then true faith is not really on the inside. And that's what James is arguing in, 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 this, in this letter that he wrote. Real quickly, let's review real quickly. Uh, you know, we talked about in our emotional health and spirituality study, the stages of faith. And what it means to journey through the wall. How many of y'all remember that? Because remember, what, what's a wall, guys? A wall is an event. It's a situation. It's a circumstance that turns our world upside down. Let's go back right quick. Go back to James chapter number one, verse number two. And I want y'all to really hone in on this and see what the scripture is telling us. Listen to what the Bible says. Now remember, when men wrote, they wrote these letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So they're writing and they're pinning what the Holy Spirit, who's God, is telling them to write. And notice what James says is, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Now, how many of y'all really, come on, let's, can we be honest? Let's, let's get down to brass tacks now. How many of you sit in this place, consider trouble of any kind, death of a loved one? Huh? How many of you consider an opportunity for joy? Uh, what, what about a, 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 a job loss or, or divorce or uh, or or 
cancer diagnosis or church hurt or a betrayal or a shattered dream or a wayward child or a car accident or a loss of your joy in your relationship with Christ. How many of y'all consider that as an opportunity for great joy? Most of us don't, Ruth. Most of us don't consider trouble that comes our way as an opportunity for great joy. But that is exactly what James is saying here because remember he's writing to Jewish Christians who were in the face of persecution and they were being persecuted and they were experiencing trouble because of their faith walk, because of their stand for Christ. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that I've observed, and, and I think we're going to begin to see this manifest itself over and over again, is this year 2020 and everything that we've been through with this COVID-19 pandemic has caused for a, a I believe, a sifting and a, and a visualization of what the true church is really all about. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's cause for, for those who are really dialed into God, uh, those who really are following the scripture to, to, to rise to the top and begin to say, hey, listen, yes, we, we, we're, we're experiencing a, a whole lot of stuff in this life. But you know what? The answer ain't in the Republican Party. The answer is not in the Democratic Party. The answer is not in some president. I don't care who he is. Amen. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the true church depends on Christ and not some politician. I tell you right now, it doesn't matter who's in the White House. I got to make sure who's in my house. In this house, this body is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it doesn't matter who's there. God is going to make sure that whatever I do prospers. Because he says he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all I could even ask or think. So I don't know why you've been worried for the last four years. I don't know why you've been worried for the previous eight years prior to that. God is still on the throne. And I got news for you. Nobody can get in office and let God allows it. So he allowed it. Can I get a witness? So we got we to come out of this mundane mentality of depending and trusting in the political system. Now, we ought to be involved. We ought to be engaged. But never, never, never let your politics and your patriotism become an idol God. And that's what's happening in a lot of our churches. They put, they put patriotism above God. Even to the point of saying, you know, uh, uh, this is what God's word says, but this is what we believe. We're going to stay here and keep running this way because we believe we can change the world through politics. And God says, I gave you my gospel. I put my love on the inside of you so that you can transform the world through the power of my Holy Spirit. And we got to get back to that because the true church stands on God's word and not puts their faith and trust in some politician. Can I get a witness? Now, there's some good people in politics and there's some bad folks. And I'm not here to talk about politics. I'm just telling you to the church, quit trusting in the system and trust in the man, Jesus Christ, your Savior, your Lord. Can I get a witness? So trouble comes our way and these Jewish Christians were experiencing trouble. But Paul uh, begins to tell them that, hey, listen. The trying of your faith work in patience. He says, when any kind of trouble come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So we talked about journeying through the wall in our study. And again, we said a wall is an event, a situation, a circumstance uh, that turns our world upside down. How many of y'all ever had something that came into your life that kind of disrupted your flow? 
Anybody had anything to happen that just kind of just, just had you all discombobulated, confused, not really knowing where you were, not, not really sensing God's presence. And, and you're sitting there and you're wondering, God, where are you? God, what's happening with me? Lord, what happened to my joy? What happened to my faith? And you're sitting there and you're journeying through the wall and sometimes you didn't know how to get through. Can I get a witness today? When you're journeying, when you're journeying through the walls of life, when we are journeying through the walls of life, we sometimes question ourselves. If we're not careful, we'll question God. And then we'll question the relevancy of our church because we're going through some things. But James says, when you face any kind of trouble, any kind, everybody say any kind. When you face any kind of trouble, when it comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That means I have an opportunity to experience great joy, an opportunity. That means that I have something to do with my perspective on the trouble has everything to do with how I go through the trouble. My perspective and how I see life. And so that's what we want to try to get to today so we can unpack some of this. We have more questions than answers. As we have more questions than answers as, as the very foundation of our faith feel like it's on, online. On, it, it's being tested when we're going through these kind of troubles. We can't say, you know, and when, when that thing happens, sometimes in life, guys, we can't see where God is moving. How many of y'all have been in a situation when you couldn't see the hand of God moving? I've been repeating this here lately because it just comes back to me. I love the statement. The old folks say, uh, when, I, when I can't trace him, I still can trust him. In other words, when I can't see what God is doing, I'm still trusting what he's doing. I may not know what he's doing, Kenny Wayne, in my life but, but, and what he's doing in the situation, but I'm going to trust that God will provide. I'm going to trust that he has my best interest at heart and he'll work it out for my good. Can I get a witness? So, 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 so when we can't see where God's moving, when we, when we don't know what he's doing, when we don't know where he's going, when we, know, when we don't know how he's he getting us there, when, 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 when we don't know when it'll be over, we still got to learn how to trust him. Now, we talk about this in our journeys through the wall. We talk about the stages of faith. Now, wall, again, remember, a wall is a circumstance, a situation, a troubling event that disrupts our life flow, that causes us to, to disrupt. And all of us are going to go through walls. You go back through uh, the entire Bible and you see all of God's men and women facing these walls, these times of turmoil, this, these times of disruption. Moses had to go through it. David had to go through it. Even Jesus had to go through it. We saw that when he, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, Father, if there's any other way to accomplish this, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus faced uh, betrayal by those who he poured into. And there's nothing like being betrayed by people who you poured your, your, your life into and gave your love to. And, and all of a sudden they, they do something that, that betrays you and hurts your heart. You crush you to your very core. And, and being able to get beyond it and get past that is critically important to our journey of faith. And sometimes God will allow that to happen because what will happen if we're not careful, we'll start trusting in people more than we trust in God. Hello? We'll start trusting in our spouse more than we trust in God, trusting in our children, trusting in our parents or whoever, or, or, or a trusted mentor. We'll put our focus on them, and God sometimes has to allow us to see that they are not your God. I am. Can I get a witness? So let's talk about the stages of faith that we talked about. We said, number one, uh, the first stage is a life-changing awareness of God, right? A life-changing awareness of God. This stage is the beginning of our journey of faith. 
In other words, our journey of, uh, of faith, uh, uh, beginning of our journey with Christ is when we first invite Christ into our heart to save us. Now, listen, we give an invitation every Sunday around here because I'm not going to assume that because you come that you really had a transformative experience with Christ. I'm one who believes what the Bible says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So there are a lot of folks who said the words with their mouth, but they didn't yield their hearts to God. Can I get a witness? There are a lot of people sitting in our churches who have not really had a born-again experience, but our journey of faith starts with, first and foremost, a life-changing awareness of God. We realize our need for mercy and begin our relationship with Christ. Jesus said this, and and I'm going to repeat it. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. Now, either Jesus, is his word is true or it's false. I, I believe it's true because he's the only one that rose from the dead. He says, I am not a way or one of many ways to get to God. He didn't say that, did he? He says, I am the definitive uh, uh, word, the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. So our, our faith walk begins with, uh, with a life-changing awareness of God. When we realize that we've been presented with the gospel message, somebody had to preach to us and tell us what the word of God says. Go to Romans, the 10th chapter, right quick, if you will. Look at Romans chapter 10. Uh, and we'll start uh, there at verse number one. This is one, uh, again, a passage that's no, that is normally uh, shared during revival times in the old church. Uh, and Paul is writing in Romans, uh, uh, this 10th chapter, he wrote the whole book of Romans, he writes to the saints at Rome. And Paul was writing this, this key doctrinal book here because at this point in time, uh, when you have the merging of, of two distinct entities into one body, uh, which is Jesus Christ, uh, there, was, there was some confusion. You had Jew and Gentiles coming together into one body. And that's the body of Christ Jesus. Watch what it says here. Dear brothers, this is the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Paul is talking about his own people. Paul was Jewish by birth. All right? He says, he says, brother, my heart desired to pray to God for Israel that they might be saved. For I battle record, they got a zeal of God, but not according to us. Let's keep reading here. Verse number two, watch this. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. How many of y'all been in a relationship with people who got zeal but didn't have the the knowledge quite? They were zealous of of God, but they didn't learn about God. Look at what it says in verse number three. Let's read. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Paul is talking about his people, the Jewish nation. He says they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Verse 4, let's read together. For Christ hath already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. All who believe in whom? Jesus Christ are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of his commands. Next verse says what? But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, 
who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. Watch what it says here. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Text says what? Next verse. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Right? Next verse. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 12. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Watch this. Next verse. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Next verse. Let's read. Watch this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And that's where you and I come into play. See, God has called all of us. Uh, the KJV says, how can they hear without a preacher, someone to tell them about it? All of you who are born again have been called into the ministry to preach the gospel. Let me say it again. All of us are called to the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have been called to be a witness for the Lord. Now, you may not be in the five-fold ministry gift, but all of you who are born again have been called upon to share your faith with somebody because how can they hear except they got someone preaching it to them? How are they going to believe unless they hear it? And they can't hear unless you tell it. Amen? So it's Jesus Christ. He's the one through which we get uh, salvation. So we have to start with a life-changing awareness of God. In other words, we come into a personal relationship with Christ. That's the beginning of the journey. The second step in the stages of faith is is the discipleship stage. Now watch this, guys. The discipleship stage. Remember, we talked about this. This stage is characterized by learning about God and what it means to be a follower of Christ. See, I am convinced that there are many churches who are full of people like the Corinthian church, that people made a profession of faith, they believed in Christ, but they never, they never uh, uh, made themselves available to be disciple. Can I say that again? There are churches full of people, and we got people in this church who, who, who made a profession of faith, and I believe that was genuine, they made that profession of faith, but because they have not connected and chose to be disciple, then they still act and sound like somebody who's not saved. Are y'all with me today? You have to choose to be disciple. Now, EBC members, I'm going to my pastoral mode. Now, y'all look at me like right now. I'm going to my pastoral mode. All right, y'all watch me. Y'all looking at me? You that are viewing live, let me go to, you, you that are, you that are, are, are viewing this live stream, I let you look at me, look me now right now. Look at me now. Y'all got, y'all got me? Y'all with me? Are right, y'all looking at me? Listen, EBC, Nobody in here has an excuse not to be engaged in the discipleship training process. Is this still on? I'm in my pastoral mode now. Nobody here has an excuse not to be engaged in the discipling process. If you are a member of this church, you can't use the excuse, well, you know, I can't drive or you ain't got to drive now. If I got some 89-year-old golden vessels who are getting on Zoom and, and meeting with their small group and discussing their emotional health and spirituality study, you who are 35 ought to be able to do it. 
For though y'all say, well, you know, I don't, you know I, I, Pastor, I'm being a little careful now because I, I got some, 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 some pre-existing health conditions. I don't want to gather uh, around too many people. You don't have to gather here. You can be right there in your own house. Hello? You don't even have to drive to the church right now. You can plug in on Wednesday nights. Everybody say no excuse. So we've eliminated that COVID excuse for you for not being engaged. Here's what I discovered. People who are not engaged right now don't want to be engaged. They just choose not to be engaged. And one thing I learned as a pastor, I will not lose one night of sleep trying to make somebody do something that they really don't want to do. And don't really understand that because you choose not to engage, you're not being discipled and you're not growing in your faith. And that's why when trouble comes, it knocks you out the box because you won't choose to be engaged. I'm going to say that once more again. As a member of this church, if you're not engaged in the discipleship training that we're doing in our study, on, on, we, we meet on Wednesdays, but we got assignments throughout the week, you just don't want to do it. You're telling God, well, God, your way, I got a better way of doing it. I'll just kind of just come on Sunday, listen on Sunday, and I'm going to be all right. I'm fine. I don't want to go more in, in, in deeper than that. Baby, let me tell you something. We, we're, gonna, we're living in a time where, where you're gonna, either you're going to put up or shut up. And that's why I'm saying the real church and those who are really pursuing God are going to be made manifest in these last days. So there's no excuse. You, you, you may say, well, I, but Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I don't just read that well. You don't have to read that well. Listen in and discuss. We even made a fact. We said that there's audio books that you can listen to and go along with us. So if you're not studying now with us, it's because you just don't want to. You can't use COVID because we gave you a method to, to, to engage. Y'all listen to me. Now some of y'all got some, some family members and you need to go home and encourage them. Listen, why is it that you won't engage with your church in learning how to get closer to God and deal with that stuff that's beneath the surface? Remember the iceberg? We keep going back. That stuff that's below the surface, that stuff that caused you to act a fool. Stuff that you hadn't dealt with, that 90% that's below the surface, that, that deal with your emotional unhealthiness, and now you acting like somebody who don't know Jesus. Everybody said no excuse. So next time you talk to somebody, if, if, if my golden vessels can participate at the level that they'll participate in, they don't even they don't even know anything about the computer, but they get on their phone and dial in and discuss their lesson. And here you are, know all kinds of stuff, know how to get online. You work online, but won't engage. You know what? It's because you don't want to. And let me tell you something. God, he'll pursue you, but he will never make you. Because you got to have an appetite for God. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. You ain't hungry enough. But I tell you what, God will allow enough stuff to come in your house where you will get hungry. God let stuff come your way because he loves you enough not to leave you out there. And if it causes him to have to allow some, some, some walls to come your way to get you back to him, that's exactly what he'll do. Because he loves you enough not to leave you out there. Can I get one amen? So, so, so discipleship stays. We become part of a local faith community and begin to get rooted in the, in the disciplines of our faith. we got to learn because we don't want to go out and embarrass Christ by saying stuff that's not biblically correct 
And so that comes with teaching. That comes with, 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 with coming together and learning. So I want to encourage you. I want to employ you. Anybody listening via live stream or listen, uh, sitting in this church, I'm going to employ you to engage because we love you. We want you to be a part of our study. We want you to grow with us. Amen? The third stage we talk about is the, is the active life. We got the life-changing awareness of God, discipleship stage, then the active life. Uh, this is described as the doing stage. We get involved. We act, we're actively working for God. We're serving him and his people. We take responsibility by bringing our unique talents and gifts to serve Christ and others. The fourth stage is the, is the wall and journey inward. The wall compels us into the journey inward. Guys, the wall is, again, what is the wall again? It's a situation, a circumstance, uh, 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 an event that disrupts our life. And many times God has to do that to get our focus back on him. He has to disrupt our life because, guys, it's too easy for us to talk about how busy we are. How many of y'all know Christians say, I'm too busy to get involved? Now think about what you just said. So if you're not participating in the study, that means that you ain't doing no studying by and large, because we said we're laying everything else aside. We're not doing Sunday morning, Sunday school. This is going to be our discipleship training for the, for the, for the foreseeable future. So now, are you going to plug in or are you going to stay disconnected? I, I'm just, I'm, this is my pastoral mode this morning. Because I'm, I'm real disappointed in some of you all who have failed to connect and think that you're okay. I want you to know as a member of this church, you're not okay if you don't connect. Without discipleship training. Because my job as your pastor is to lead you on this faith journey. I can lead the horse to the water, but I sure can't make him drink. But I can exhort him to drink. I can tell him that famine is coming, so you better, you better, you better, you better gird up. You better get ready because God is doing some purging today. Amen? And it's happened. So the active life, watch this, guys. This, this is the doing stage. We get involved. We actively working for God. Then the, the wall and the journey stage, when, the, when that, that disruption happens and God causes us to look inwardly at ourselves. And then we get to the journey outward again, having passed through that crisis of faith and that intense in, inner journey necessary to go through the wall. We begin once again to move outward to do for God. And our doing for God now is coming out of our being with God because the, the wall calls us to look inwardly at ourselves and get back close to God. I don't know about you, but my prayer life is so much more fervent faith when I'm going through something. Brenda, when I'm going through something, man, listen, I'm praying and I'm, I'm, I'm writing lists down. I'm, I'm, I'm petitioning the tone with God. Am I the only one? It looks like that prayer life gets much more fervent when we, when we have that walled experience that we're going through. So the journey out comes from our time. And then lastly, the trans, we, we transform into love. In this stage, we realize love truly is the beginning and the end. By this stage, guys, the perfect love of God has driven out all fear. Go to 1 John 4 and 18. Watch this. Look at this. So, by, so the faith. James, in this book, we're going to begin to unpack some key application principles to help us to understand the faith wall. Because if the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Then you best believe we need to be learning how to walk by faith. Because without faith, I can't please him. And faith if we say we got it, it's going to be put on trial. It's got to be tested to see if it's real or fake. 
How many of y'all have had experience in your life where you said, when your pastor, I thought I had faith, but when the, when the, when the wall came, when the, when the tragic tragedy came, when the, when the uh, situation upset my normal flow, I just wigged out. I just, I, I just lost it. I didn't, I didn't do very well. I, I stopped trusting God. As a matter of fact, I got pastor, I stopped coming to church because I thought God was unfair. I thought, I thought church people were unfair because nobody understood my pain. So I just disconnected myself. If you've been disconnected, listen, I want to encourage you to get back connected. Man, I, one thing I do, I, I, I'm going to love you through whatever you're going through. You hear me? I'm, I'm going to love you through, through your bad feelings. I'm going to love you through your hurt feelings. I'm going to love you through the tragedy that you've been through. I, I, it doesn't matter what you've done and what you've been. We're going to love on you here. And we don't throw you away. Can I get a witness? We're going to stand with you. We're going to encourage you. As your pastor, I'm going to keep encouraging you. If you're going to get mad because I tell you the truth, you've got to stay mad with me. That's one thing about it. I've been pastoring here 31 years. And I, I, I'm past wearing my feeling on my shoulder. Not, not that I ever did. But I don't, I don't wear my feelings on my shoulder. So get mad and just get right. Get mad and get right. Look at the neighbor. neighbor. Get mad, but get right. How many of y'all ever got mad when your spouse told you the truth about yourself? Come on. No, nobody knows you better than the person who sleeps in the same bed, but you can't get a witness. And nobody knows you better even like maybe your mom and daddy knows you. But when somebody tells you the truth, you may get a little warm on the collar, but evaluate what they're telling you because if they love you, they don't want anything bad to happen to you. They're going to tell you what's best for you, even when you don't like it. Amen? All right. Okay. Are y'all still with me today? Look at what the text says. Such love. Back up one verse on here. Back up one verse, okay? It says this. As we live in God, our love grows what? More perfect. Now, what's we're maturing? As we live in God. Not as we live with ourselves. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. When judgment day comes, we live like Jesus in this world. We can go to the beam of judgment of Christ with confident assurance that, listen, it's not, it's not my goodness, but it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I'm able to stand in the presence of a holy God. Look at what the text says. Next verse, watch this. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love does what? Expels all fear. When I'm walking in perfect love, when I got the love of God abiding and bathing in my life, then it expels all fear. Everybody say all fear. 2020 has been a year of fear for a lot of people. And again, guys, let me tell you something. Be, be respectful of what's happening with this virus, but don't be fearful. Some people have become paralyzed with fear. I said this at the very beginning when this thing happened, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So, so in other words, when, I, when we're dealing with this thing, we can't be paralyzed by fear. And some Christians have become paralyzed by fear. Not moving, not doing anything. When God says, listen, uh, uh, and I, as your pastor, I will tell you to take every precautionary measure that, I, measure that our public health officials give us. Be, be mindful of that. But we cannot be paralyzed by fear. Perfect love does what? Expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If, I'm, if that unhealthy fear is abiding in my heart, then that means that, that, and it stays there, that sudden fear. Remember, we talked about be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be my confidence and keep my foot from being taken. When sudden fear comes 
And it happens to all of us. When something disrupts our life, our heart starts to beat real, real fast, doesn't it? Your, 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 your mind is running, not nothing, trying to figure out what's going to happen, but we've got to settle ourselves and say, okay, listen, God, right now, listen, this thing is, is disrupting my flow, my life. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what, God, I know that you're still God and you're still on the throne. And Lord, right now, whatever is happening right now, I know that you're able to see me through this. So right now, God, I, I dispatch this, 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 this sudden fear that's just trying to permeate my mind and my heart. And God, I'm going to believe and trust you. Even though I can't see you, even though I don't know what you're doing, I'm going to trust that you're doing what's best for me. And that's the mindset we got to have, guys. Okay? So, so that perfect love uh, expels or it casts out all fear. So if he says, if, 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 I'm, if, if, if I'm not fully, if, if I'm not fully grounded and, and trusting and I got fear in my heart, that unhealthy fear, that, that's a sign that, 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 that I'm not fully, I'm not ex- fully experienced that perfect love that, that casts out all fear. Now watch this. Let's, let's go. Let's talk, talk, talk about some key application concepts we can learn about faith from James. I will tell you before I start, I will not finish these today. Okay, y'all got me? I will not finish these today and I'm going to take my time unpacking these. Hopefully I can get three or four of men before we get out of here. So the first thing I want you to just make a note of is this. So some, we, we can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they refine our faith. They refine our faith. Trials refine our faith. Everybody say trials refine my faith. That means Trials help to perfect my faith. It helps to get my faith in a position where I can believe God for anything. Uh, with God, nothing is impossible. How many of y'all really believe that? With God, nothing is impossible. He specializes in the impossibilities of life. Can I get a witness? Now watch this, watch this. Every one of us has trials, Right? And temptations. James say they, 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 those trials and those, those tests come to, to uh, those temptations come, those tests come to, 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 to refine our faith. He tells us God allows us to encounter these trials because they mature our faith and increase our patient endurance as we continue to depend on him. Let's go back, if you will, James chapter one, and we're going to look at uh, start our reading uh, again at verse verse number five. Glory to God. Now, verse yeah, verse number five. Y'all there? Let's read it again. It says, "What well, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking." Read it out loud on purpose. It says, "What if you need wisdom? What? How many of y'all need wisdom? <laughs> Let me see your hand. I, I don't know about you, but I need a whole lot of it." Because this stuff I just don't know. And I, especially when you deal with people, come on now, ministry is the people business. How are you going to be in ministry? How are you going to serve God but don't like people? I'm going to step down here. I'm going to be six feet away, but I, but I, I got I to look y'all in the eye. I got to look y'all in the eye. How are you going to be in ministry and how are you going to serve God but don't like people? There is a problem because God is all about people. God loves his creation and he desires for all of us to come into a personal relationship with him. 
But you don't like people. I don't, you know, Pastor, I don't want to fool with folks. Well, if you don't want to fool with folks, you're not going to be able to please God because God wants you to fool with folks. Everybody say, everybody say, God wants me. This is our colloquial way of saying it. Say, God wants me to fool with other people. Let that sink in. One more time. Say, God wants me to fool with other people besides my family. Okay. Y'all with me? All right. So that means if I am uncomfortable doing that and I know that God says he saved me, not just to get me to heaven, he saved me, left me here on the earth so that I could be a vessel that he utilizes to reach people. There are some folks you're going to reach that I'll never be able to reach. There are some people who you're going to come in contact with and have a chance to pour into their lives that will never step foot in this church. But guess what? Here's what I would tell you. They don't have to step foot in this church if you in this church and take the gospel that you get from this church out to the world and get them saved. They ain't got to come and be a member of this church, but get them saved, get them connected with a Bible teaching church and let them grow in their faith and more power to you and God is rejoicing when that happens. But you got to get over that fear of people. That fear of talking to somebody who's not a part of your immediate family. Can I get a witness? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Look at what the text says, verse 6, let's read. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Be sure that your faith is in what? God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Watch this, watch this. Next verse. Such people, what, who are such people? What kind of people? Back up. I want you to see it. Back up. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty. Are you going to follow the word or are you going to follow your mama? Are you going to follow the word or are you going to follow your denomination? Are you going to follow the word or are you going to follow what your friends are saying? Are you going to follow the word or are you going to follow, well, this is the way I was raised. Who asked you how you were raised? Come on. Well, this is the way we were, well, you, if, 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 if you were raised wrong, get right. Man, it, it boggles my mind. See, the word of God is God's revealed word. The word of God is God's revealed plan for mankind. And so we, got, we want to follow the word. We want to be able to dissect the word of God and let that govern and determine how we live our life. And that means that sometimes it may go against what mom and daddy taught me. It may go against what your wife thinks or what your husband thinks. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to stay with God. Hello. I said I'm staying with God. Now I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm like Joshua. As for me, Mac and my house, we're going to do what? Serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do at 5205 Megan K Street in Benton, Louisiana. That's what we're going to do. Watch this, watch this. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty 
is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Watch this next verse. Come on, let's go. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So maybe your prayers are not being answered because you got divided loyalty. One day you're with the Lord, the next day you ain't. I said you ain't. I know how to talk correctly. You are not. But I like the way you ain't. That instability, that up, down, level to the ground type faith walk, God says, I'm trying to get you to plug into discipleship training so that you can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Are y'all with me? Next verse, come on, let's read. Their Lord is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. How many of y'all oscillate between the things of God and the things of the world? On Sunday, you, you plug in. I don't cuss on Sunday. But what you do? What you do Monday through Saturday? I heard a person say, I'm serious on Sunday now. Isn't that, isn't that a vain way of thinking about your Christian walk? On Sunday, now, I don't play now. I'm going to dress up nice. But, but the rest of the week, I'm, I'm dressed like I want to dress. And I'm going to say what I want to say, Pastor. I'm just going to tell you right now, Pastor. I'll tell it like it is. T-I-T is. We're going to see that James said, when you can't tame your tongue, something wrong with your faith. Fool utters all his mind. But a wise man will keep it in until afterwards. Y'all still with me? All right, so their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Next verse, come on, 9 through 12. Believers who are poor have something to boast about for God has honored them. Next verse. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. Next verse. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. He blesses those who what? All right. Now, you, you know, we, we got an English lesson here now. Patiently is what type of, uh, of, of verbiage? It's an adverb. An adverb describes, describes how you do the verb. The verb here, God blesses those who patiently do what? Endure. So how are you going through testing? Are you patiently enduring or are you haphazardly enduring? Are you complainingly, I know it ain't a word, but I made it up. Are you complainingly enduring temptation? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who do what? To love. So, 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 so number one, first application, we can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they refine our faith. So when you're going through something, when you're going through that wall experience, ask yourself this question, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to burn out of me? What, what, what kind of junk on the inside of me that needs to come out and, and that stuff that I can't see, that blind spot? Put somebody in my life who has the courage to tell me about my blind spots. Put somebody in my life who I can connect with and will tell me when I'm wrong. You need somebody like that. But you're stuck on yourself, self. <laughs> Y'all with me? We can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they refine our faith. So if I'm going through something, 
I need to know, hey, God, you're refining my faith. You're testing me. You, you, you're pulling stuff out that shouldn't be. You're causing me to do self-reflection so that I can go, get beneath the surface and, and figure out what it is you're trying to burn out of me. Let's go to the next one right quick. And I'm about to stop on this one. Are y'all still tracking with me? Faith recognizes that our temptations come not from God, but from our own inner sinful nature. Watch this now. Faith recognizes that our temptations come not from God, but from our own inner sinful nature. There's a difference between a test and a temptation. I told you before, purpose has everything to do with everything. A temptation comes from the enemy and it's designed to pull us down and to destroy us. A test comes from God and it's designed to build us up and to promote us. When you take tests in school and you pass the test, you were promoted to the next grade. Watch this. Go to James 1, 13 through 18. We got to stop on this, okay? My goodness, I didn't get very far, did I? But I want us to unpack it. Because if faith is the critical key to us pleasing God, then we need to know about the way of faith. And stop just doing church our old way and start standing in faith and believing God for the things he's promised us. Believing God to perfect us, believing God to purge us and to make us be what he called and ordained for us to be. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. Next verse. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. When, 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 when that's, the Bible even says it's about what comes out of the heart. Remember I told you the heart is, is most evil. So quit telling people to follow your heart because your heart got some stuff in there that ain't good. Y'all remember that? So, so watch this. So temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Next verse says what? These desires give birth to what? Sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin will kill a marriage. Sin will kill your finances. Sin will kill a relationship. Sin will kill a whole bunch of stuff. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Come on, 16 through 18. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch this. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, mankind became his prized possession. God desires a relationship with the worst of us. And I don't care where you've been, what you've done, God still wants to bring you back into his presence. If you save and, and messed up royally, God says, listen, I want to bring you back into my presence. I'm, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to get you back into my presence because he loves us that much. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all his creation became his prized possession. Now guys, apparently some of these Jewish believers to whom James was writing found an excuse for sinning by, declare, by claiming I'm being tempted by God. God brought this into my life. Listen, when you see that pretty fine 36, 24, 36 woman walk before you and you start lusting, that ain't God giving you, God sent it out of my way. No, he didn't. That's the lust of your heart. Hello? 
James responded that God does not tempt, nor can he be tempted with evil. He don't tempt with evil, nor can he be tempted with evil. Our temptations emerge not from God, but from the sinful natures we all have within us. Okay? So my time is up right now, so I'm a, I thank you for yours, but I want you to remember this. Our faith is going to be put on trial. The wall is going to come to all of our lives in, on numerous occasions. And when we journey through the wall, when we go through that time of testing, we have the trial, divorce, death of the loved one, whatever it may be, a situation that, that disrupts our flow, know this, that God is using that. He'll use it. He don't have to send it to use it. Come on now. He doesn't have to send it to use it, but he'll use whatever happens in our life to perfect us and refine us. And we all be willing to, to let him use whatever part of our story needs to be told to reach other people. Some of y'all got a story to tell, but you've been shamed to tell it. But God says, listen, uh, when, it, when I say tell it, I want you to tell it. Because what you say and how you testify about how I brought you on your journey of faith, how I, journeyed, how I brought you through the wall and pulled some stuff out of you, it's going to bless somebody else over who's struggling. The wall. Everybody say the wall. Say it's coming. It's a part of my faith journey. See, once you get saved, it's a journey, not just a one-time decision. We get saved, yeah, but there's a journey involved. And we wanna, we're going to keep climbing. Amen? Jesus gave his very life. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Born to redeem mankind from his sin. Born of a virgin by the name of Mary. Miraculous birth. God poured out of himself. God became human flesh to redeem us back to himself. He thought enough of us. He thought enough of you, 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 me, all of us in here to give his very best for us. Now, somebody give you their very best or their very last, that means you mean a lot to them. Thank God for the Savior. Every head bowed, everybody closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.